So I'm sitting down here with a warlock from Zion Community Kitchen. Very awesome. He invited me in, and I have a very large bowl of mac and cheese that I'm going to have to go through. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming out. I thank you for asking me to go ahead and speak out to the community as well. Let's start off with a um, basic question. So when did you start going to Flipside? Well, if anybody's been following the other interviews and there's been mention of them, there's quite a few people that have been going, and they all have that same year that the good majority. Let me just start off with saying this past flip side was my 11th year. So counting back the years, it was Glitter Monkey Rodeo. That was the effigy of Hanuman, the sixth arm monkey sitting Indian style with a giant belt buckle and cowboy hat. That thing was awesome. Very cool. So did you start off just coming as a participant or did you start off coming into a camp? I started off coming in from the Houston burner community back when there was a more close-knit one. Uh, not to say that there's not one right now. There are several different ones because Houston's so spread out. Um, you've got several different theme camps that are here in Houston, but I got started off with the group that was running AA, um, Acreage Autonomous, and that was over on the west side of Houston. So I was going to church night meetings out there, uh, Started meeting a lot more people through Kevin and Susan, and it branched out to quite a few other ones, uh, Mayhem and Sassy. They're the ones that really got me involved with getting prepared for Flipside. Hearing about Flipside was at a Fall Freetacular Festival. Stayed all night, hung out with everybody, and then was sitting around one of the burn barrels with Susan and Joey. And they were talking about this festival called Flipside. And I'm like, well, what is that? Tell me a little bit more about that. And they started explaining a bit more and, and telling me more in depth on radical self-expression, uh, being self-reliant, being an active part of the community because there's no spectatorship. It's being involved in it. So when I went out my first year, I actually bought into a camp. It was Dad's camp, which was kind of an offset of Bakshish. I wasn't part of Bakshish. I went out there, I don't want to say solo, I had two friends with me, but I went out there and camped on my own and wound up meeting a good majority of the individuals out there. So I had my own tent set up and two friends' tent set up and then met another person that had camped in an RV that's part of our camp as well, and that's uh, Hasty, he's also known as Apex. So it was trekking up and down, this is back at Rec Plant, so... I probably went back and forth, oh, a good 30 times that first night. <laughs> so being part of the problem, greeting, getting involved with it, being part of the fire performers, performing before the actual burn, and branching out, meeting a lot of new people, and just encompassing that whole environment and that new lifelong journey that I've been on. So 11 years, you've seen a lot of change. Indeed. How do you like the new? Uh, it's not new anymore. They always say it's new, but how do you like the? How do you like uh, Apache Pastures? I enjoy it very much. It's got a nice layout. I really, really do enjoy that there are a lot of trees. There's a good diversity of the layout of the land, from parking the badlands, the pecan groves, all the way up to the grassy playa, the landscape, and also the different areas of the San Gabriel River. So that's really nice. 
So did you start uh, Zion Community Kitchen or did you inherit it? No, I actually started it. Um, going back to describing when I got into Flipside, it was buying into a kitchen and buying into that kitchen and promised hot meals. And well, that was on their schedule and I missed every single hot meal. <laughs> so I was left eating sandwiches and cereal. And it's, it's not to talk bad about them. It's just it's burner time. I remember going there and they're having brisket. Okay, well, the brisket's not ready yet. It'll be ready in about an hour. Okay. Yeah, I uh, went on a nice little journey, woke up, and it was dark. <laughs> Didn't plan on going to sleep, but um, all the brisket was gone. So needless to say, I was eating sandwiches and cereal, but that was my first flip side. So it was getting to know the experience of it. Not to say that I didn't get hot meals because there are plenty of other camps. I remember getting a blowtorch quesadilla made on a steel table. I had a very nice medium rare T-bone steak that somebody had made for me. And just a multitude of food. And that's when it dawned on me that, you know what, there needs to be a kitchen camp. Sometimes I'm hungry at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I want to eat at 10.45 p.m. And, oh, well, the meal is at 6. Well, that's four hours later. That's kind of like going from breakfast to lunch. Different hours, different times. Uh, the first year was actually Intergalactic Circus. So that was my second year coming in and back to Flipside. Created a theme camp, but at that time it wasn't Zion. At that time it was called Raveloc. It was a conjunction of a past relationship, their burner name, the first part of it, Rave, and then the last part of mine, Warlock. So Raveloc is an interesting aspect. Uh, tried to go big with it, design a <laughs> uh, shade structure using landscaping timbers and 10 by 20 tarps. And well, when I set it up, it worked. I had guy wires, tied it down, cinder blocks, and left it out for a week in a thunderstorm and high winds, and it stayed. Got on site, and yeah, we didn't have the specifications and the dimensions that we were hoping for, and we got stuck under a tree, and we had asked for a good 12-foot clearance and wound up having like eight. So that didn't work. <laughs> right. Uh, nonetheless, it just kind of stuck. It was a communal kitchen and started off with a single hose hooper. So the real first year of Zion, when it got started, was the ore funner after Flipside. And that was just being at Rec Plant at the far end, near one of the fire pits, close to the creek and the property line, and just set up a 10 by 20 with a single two burner stove, a cast iron Dutch oven and making French fries. I brought out 65 pounds of potatoes and just cut them up. And that's where I started Warlock's famous curly fries without the curlies. They're just straight cut fries with Zatarans. And I couldn't keep them coming out fast enough because no sooner they came out, they were gone. Now I make them by request. <laughs> so that, that was the start of the kitchen. The very first year for Zion to actually be a theme camp, we actually got denied. Or should I say I got denied? And it was just myself and probably two other individuals. I was riding with Apex in his RV, and we had another friend that was riding with us and going out there to Flipside, and I got denied a theme camp placement. So that was kind of um, disappointing. But at the same time, I wound up getting taken under the wing of uh, Ranger Bubby. A lot of y'all know him as... Steven. Some of us know him as Wee, because he comes running up going, Wee! 
and yeah, it, it just kind of stuck. So he took me under his wing, and I got to create Zion Communal Kitchen and Hookah Lounge under the umbrella of Circle of Fire. And that was the first year at Fall from Creek, uh, Flat Creek. That was Fall from Grace. So it was nice being able to run a kitchen, two-burner stove, tabletop grill under an awning next to an RV, part of Circle of Fire. For the next two years after that, we kind of always got placed near Circle of Fire. And we were on the main effigy circle. And it was nice. And then we just wound up branching off. So the kitchen's grown. The kitchen is open to everybody that's out there at Flipside. We bring out the equipment for you to cook. Bring out a lot of personal pots and pans. Those that are part of Zion. Zion wouldn't be what it is without everybody that gives back to Zion and is part of Zion, camps with Zion. And there's just, it's it's an open-knit community within the community that embraces the gift economy. How many people do you have going in with you in that camp? This last year, we were up in the 65 range. Uh, the year before, we were at 30, no, the year before, we were at 53. And the year before that, we were at 36. So Zion's steadily grown. Um, for those of y'all that are part of the Facebook group, there is a running member count of, I believe it's like 120, 150. I'm getting a count right now. Give me just a moment. Not everybody that's on the Facebook group actually camps with Zion, but everybody's, okay, I'm corrected. It's 225. So that's individuals that have come and visit us that are part of us at Burnt Soup or Orphaner. And there we have a very large presence because we're underneath the smaller pavilion. We used to take over the, the bigger pavilion and just run the kitchen out of there because it's a common gathering area. It's a place where everybody knows that they can come and bring their food. They can cook. They can share their food. There's going to be food there. If you're hungry and you, you have food but don't have the means to cook it, by all means, come by. Use the plates, or excuse me, use the pots, the pans, the utensils. Just clean up after yourself. If you're sharing out food, ask those that you cook for that are eating if they wouldn't mind doing some dishes, and it works. What I was most impressed with uh, when I first actually saw Zion, I've been going four years, and it's weird that you get to go see, flip, go to Flipside and you don't see everything. I don't get, and the first time I actually got to see any type of a Zion-related anything was when y'all did the uh, safety side, when y'all came out for safety side and actually uh, helped cook. That was very cool. We were approached uh, two years ago, in fact, we've been helping out with safety side because one of the unspoken requirements, it's not really a requirement, but it's, it's one of the unspoken guidelines of being part of Zion is being active in the community. So it's embracing that participation aspect of it. And Zion does happen to bring out a lot of volunteers, whether they're part of readers, they're part of Shaven Apes any part of the different volunteer groups that I may be missing, parking, I'm trying to list off the other ones that aren't the, the major ones that I know that a lot of our members are part of, but we, we have some pets, we have some sanctuary, we have rangers, we have perimeter. There are a lot of members within Zion that give back to the community by their volunteer. In fact, this last year, I know that a good portion of Zion was almost entirely guardians. We had at least three of the leads that were some of the core members within Zion. Mm -hmm. So it, it just, we give back. Do you find that you bring a lot of uh, new Flipside community members, like the, the newbies coming out? Is this like a good 
thing to take under your wing if you're thinking about going to Flipside to you know contact you and see if you want to get into the Zion Community Kitchen? We have over the last two years. Um, we try not to open it up to everybody per se because then we just kind of have an influx of I don't know. Maybe we should just be stationed in the better lands or stationed in the bad lands and then just run from there. But over the last couple of years, we've kind of been center positioned in between the Badlands and the main area. And I've gotten reports from a lot of our members that there are people that just kind of flow in and out of the kitchen in the Badlands and everything. And I don't always get to see it because I'm usually busy running back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by all means, go ahead and get in contact with us. We like to educate any newbies and even some that have been going for a couple of years, but they want to make their experience a little bit better. Um, I'm a veteran, so one of the things that I did at safety side was I remember one evening when everything was just kind of toning down a little bit, I pulled out my hydration pack, put it on one of the table, and emptied it and just kind of gave a lesson on this is what I have in my hydration pack. This is everything that I need. And I've had a couple of the other community members come up to me and say, you know what? I built my hydration pack based off of yours just because of all the different items that you have in there. So kind of going back towards that question of giving back at safety side for the the menu, the, the uh, breakfast, that's something that we were approached on. I said, you know what? Yeah, we can do that. We've got all the equipment for the kitchen. We'll just bring that out. We'll go ahead and cook up breakfast, have it for everybody. It's all the volunteers. We already offer that at Flipside, at Forefunner, at Burnt Soup. By all means, we can do it for safety side. We're going anyways. <laughs> so it's been an honor. And it wouldn't be possible without all the other members that are part of safety side as well that come out and help out. And even some that aren't part of the kitchen that still, they get in there with the kitchen. They're like, hey, what can I help with? See what you can do over here. Somebody else needs help. Hey, who else? What can we do? Set up, prep this. I'll hand this off. All right, take this off when it's finished cooking. Set it over here. Gather everybody else. Keep a time on us. And it works. It's one of those chaotic, fluid motions that just, if you try and structure it too much, it falls apart and it just doesn't work. But if you just let it flow, it's beautiful. So I usually ask this, what what do you consider a burn event to be? Do you consider it an art festival? Do you consider it, you know, just a, a fun time, a rave? What do you, what do you look at it as? Uh, there's some red flags there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just wondering. Uh, burn events for me. Because I've, I've been a fire performer, a fire manipulator for just as long as I've been in the fire, the burner community as well. And been to some of those events to which I would consider those more of the party scene, after hour scene, underground scene, doing fire manipulation. And while they've kind of distended and branched off from a burn event... They carry some of the same principles, but it's still different. Uh, in the beginning, yeah, a lot of them were more burner-related, burner-friendly, embraced the principles of leave no trace and respecting each other, giving back to the community, helping out, and being involved. And then it just kind of branched out into a lot of the public coming in and not knowing exactly what was going on. So a burn event to me is... I don't want to say a close-knit community, but at least a community that's more informed and able to communicate with each other, help out each other, and grow in essence, not exponentially, but at a certain interval to where it's sustainable, it's volunteer-based. It just happens to be a beautiful thing that's close-knit 
And like I was describing the kitchen as well, it's kind of a chaotic flow of an operation. Well, I know that you do the, uh, you help with the fire procession and whatnot, because you do the, uh, you spit some fire, right? That's because one of the cool things to, to see is the fire procession and Warlock shooting an insane amount of fire out of his face. How'd you start doing that? Getting into the fire community, I was doing freelance photography of a group out in San Antonio a couple of years before I actually got into the burner community. And I was going out there for you know, industrial, dark, gothic type scene that I got introduced by another good friend of mine. And, oh, they had fire performers in the back. All right. Well, I'm running around with an old Sony Mavica that ran off a floppy disk. If anybody can remember those. And most people take, I don't know, 50, 100, 200 pictures. I'm taking upwards of anywhere from 700 to 1,000 pictures. So I'm running around with this camera with a whole bunch of floppy disks just popping pictures left and right. And I started taking pictures of the fire performers that were out there and wound up talking to them, spending a lot of time out there, coming out there and branching off from one group to another group. And then there was actually three different groups that were out there. Now they contract me out. And they need some of the, the bigger events to be done, as, as you described, uh, breathing fire. Yeah. It's it's a show, show epicenter. <laughs> it's the big fireworks on it. So getting into it was just, hey, that's interesting. Can you show me? And the person that I was staying with was always busy, so he never had time to really show me. And I just kind of took it upon myself, learned the, the, the basics of it figure it out, and then wound up just breathing fire and then spinning staff and spinning poi. And I consider myself more intermediate. I mean, there is so much talent out there, and they've got so many different skills. And to that, I tip my hat. I still consider myself intermediate. There are some that are far more advanced than what I am. But breathing fire has been my forte. So on that, yeah, I kind of go above and beyond on that one. Large <laughs> lung capacity huge mouth and just that respect of fire because it's an element it's a living thing you have to respect it and if you don't you'll wind up hurting yourself severely and i've known a couple of people that have hurt themselves uh, chemical pneumonia severe burns and <laughs> near-death experiences horrible stomach pains because you swallow a mouthful of fuel and yeah it, it's not fun it's very dangerous but if you know how to do it you leave people in awe. Now, I'm always very impressed when, whenever I see you out there and just shooting, you know, like, it looks like 15, 20 feet up in the air, just this. And then what gets me is that you don't, yes, it's a, it's a sustained fireball. It stops and then it goes again. That's what it looks like to me. It just goes, stops, and then goes again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's part of the big mouth and and the lung capacity. I'm taking breaths in between, but not immediately, and uh, the way that I, I measured it, I wound up having this container that measured it in cc's, which is an odd measurement for a container, but I hold about 100 cc's of fluid, and what I find is that most fire breathers will hold about 50, maybe 25 cc's of fluid, so they're constantly having to refuel. Mm -hmm. They'll breathe one, two, three, maybe six or seven, and then it's like, okay, I gotta refuel again, and I'm breathing, what was the... 27 to 32 consecutive first <laughs> so um yeah it's pushing that limit it's it's respecting the fire but also knowing the limitations of it and pushing those boundaries 
we're describing kind of that essence of what is Flipside, what is the burn event, even the smaller events, just all in all, this this environment that says radical self-expression, self-reliance, pushing boundaries. What is this weekend of freedom, this gathering of people to where you just not necessarily lose all of inhibitions, but you cast off that cloak of society that has just been ingrained in you that says you have to be this way. You have to follow the status quo. You have to keep in line. And you're that one person that's like, the hell with this line. I want to go and run in the fields and I want to pick flowers and I want to build something out of sticks that I find in the woods. And I want to make something that's really awesome that nobody has seen before. And it's, it's that image that you have in your head that you just can't describe. And the only way you could do it is you draw it out. And then, well, drawing it out isn't enough. And then you start building a small-scale model of it. It's building that small-scale model of it isn't enough. So you build it a little bit bigger. And you're like, that's still not enough. So let's build it even bigger. And then you get other people and you tell them about it. And you describe it as best as you can. And they're like, you know what? I don't quite understand it. But I'm on that same page with you. Let's do it. Let, let's build it. Let's let's get it together and let's just wow everybody. And that's what a lot of the whole burn event and that environment is like. You can't put it into words. No matter how hard you try, it's difficult. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. Because it's like having that awesome dream that you've had that you remember so vividly and you can't quite put it into those descriptive words to help somebody else to understand it and see it through your eyes. So you just got to go, come on, you're coming with. What I usually say is, all right, this is the way it should be or whatever. And then I'm going to, if you don't like it, I will drag you kicking and screaming. And in the end, you will thank me. And that's how I feel with a lot of my friends are that are wishy-washy on going. It's, I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming, and in the end, you're not going to want to leave. You know, <laughs> If you don't want to leave, then you're going to be saddened by the fact that, well, it's coming to an end, but now you get to prepare for next year. Right. And not only do you get to prepare, but you've got a whole new multitude and vast ocean of ideas of what you want to do for next year. That's why I think the amazing thing about <clears throat> seeing... You know, the, the spark of an idea translate into it actually coming to fruition. My brother's camp, the secret draft party, coming from an idea that he had to being a full-on camp to now it's, okay, this is what we're going to do for next year. And, you know, it's August now, and now he's already planning for next year. And I, I'd never hear that from him. I'd never hear that from him going, oh, maybe next year or two. No, this is it. I know. And I just got to figure it out. How do we do this? It's it's really fun to watch him just work out. Like I, I gave him an idea for for next year for what I'd like to do, and I tried to explain it to him, and it's just it never it didn't click until today when I talked to him. It was like, oh, I get it. That's a great idea. Okay, then you could do it like this, and then it's just it spurs on this light you know, bulb. And yeah. that light bulb just brightens up the room, and you go, oh, and then there's this on the shelf. Oh, and then there's this hidden in the cabinet. Oh, hey, look, I found this underneath the nightstand. Check out these designs. Check out this idea. Check out this plant. And it just grows. It's that little spark, that little spark of an ember that just ignites that, that burning fire, that small little flame. 
that flame turns into a much bigger fire. And that fire turns into an engulfed flame. And that engulfed flame turns into a giant bonfire. And that giant bonfire, before you know it, turns into a fire, 45-foot tall structure that's being built by a bunch of people that some are experienced with power tools and some have never touched a power tool at all. But you know what? They're up there. They're, they're being involved in it. And it's like, you know what? I don't want to be part of this. I don't care if I don't have any experience. I'm going to get in there and do what I can. And if I don't know anything about it, well, somebody that does have some experience is going to be able to say, hey, try it this way. Hey, try this out. And then before you know it, we're all coming together, sharing knowledge, sharing experiences, sharing life, and living. Because so many of us go back and forth on our daily tasks, and we're, we're just on autopilot. To me, the burn event... Flipside, Orphaner, Burnt Soup, they're lifelong journeys and pilgrimages for me because this is somewhere where I can be me. I'm not judged. Yeah, we have some judgment out there. Everybody has some judgment, but you can get out there and pretty much do whatever you would like to do. Push those boundaries. Sure, you're going to upset someone if they speak up about it. Talk to them. All right, well, what's your viewpoint on that? Well, here's my rebuttal. All right, well, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, but that's not right. Well, this is why I'm doing it. I, I, I know it's not right, but I want to do it. Well, I don't like it. Well, don't look at it. Well, but you're doing it right in front of me. Well, then I'll go over here and do it. All right, that's fine. And some people are like, well, that's not fine. I don't want you to do it at all. <laughs> go away. And it's that give and take, pushing that boundary and, and trying not to cross it. Though there are times that it does get crossed because you know, there are some things out there that they blow your mind. So I'm, I'm turning it on you. What's, what's the weirdest thing that's just been one of those, oh my God, I, I can't believe this is happening. That's really awesome that you've seen out there at one of the burn events. I think the, the one time that it blew my mind was, I want to say it was after the first years, whenever you go and it's a culture shock of seeing all these people and then... Uh, seeing people without their clothes and then it stopping affecting you like that's not a big deal at all and it was after my it was my first year there and the one thing that just blew my mind after I thought of it was a very lovely woman walking down the street naked and it was the thought process wasn't that she was naked at all it was two thoughts I hope she has sunscreen and how does she walk around without any shoes that was it. <laughs> yeah. It is, you get to a certain point, it's like, okay, shoulders and above. Shoulders and above. <laughs> shoulders. Oh, look. I look below the shoulders. Uh, shoulders and above. Shoulder. Hey, do you have sunscreen? All right. You went from a big jump of society's view of, oh, my God, she's naked, or, oh, my God, he's naked, to, hey, you don't have much on. Are you going to be all right in the sun? Pretty much. <laughs> and I know I don't like stepping on rocks. How are you walking around on all the gravel and the rocks and the pointy bits and everything else and and the, the little sticker burrs that are in the grass and just that grass that just happens to shoot right up and catches you? Even if you're wearing a flip-flop, it just happens to come on the outside of the flip-flop and stabs you in the foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are you walking around barefoot? <laughs> yeah, that was the very first very first culture shock that I had out there. Now it's it's I don't expect anything. Uh, I love the the large camps things that that when they come together with 50 60 people or however many it is and 
then they make this awesome dance camp. You know, they make, you know, they make Wonder Lounge possible. They make Lava Lounge possible. They make you know, Fire and Ice possible. And it's amazing to see, to walk walk through there and go, well, I wasn't there a couple of days ago. I know that much. And it's not going to be there in a couple of days. But yet, here's an entryway. And then here's an ice sculpture that they made. That's oh, yeah. crazy. And here's a sound system that's booming that I can hear. It's great. You know, I love those things. And, and the lighthouse that was out there, that was super cool. And then, you know, there's, there's so many things that, that are out there that I, I, I usually just walk around, just seeing all the cool things that are out there. And I love it. And for me, that's one thing that I haven't been doing in the last couple of years. Uh, running flips, uh, running Zion as theme camp lead. I, I don't. I try my best not to take credit for it, even when somebody's coming up. He's like, Warlock, you've got this awesome camp and this and that and Zion, and, and it's all Warlock. I'm like, no, 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 no. You stop right there. <laughs> I can't take all the credit for it. I'm, I'm always giving the credit back to those those members that are part of Zion. It, it can't be what it is today without everybody that's contributed to it. And at the same time, I kind of get stuck at camp because <laughs> I'm asked... Oh, let's call it 2,000 questions. <laughs> you know, 20 questions exponentially. Multiply it, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I get stuck at camp answering a bunch of questions. Oh, there's this going on and there's that going on. And Warlock, hey, what do I do with this? And it's like, go. <laughs> Handle it. Do whatever. You're in charge of it. We, we try and institute a lead and an assist position for the different areas within our camp that we think okay, well, somebody needs to go ahead and at least take charge on this. It's not saying you're going to be the only person doing it. I just want you to be responsible for remembering to try and take care of that task. That doesn't mean you're going to be out there refilling the generator when it goes down. I just want you to remember, oh, yeah, the generator's down. Let me get a couple people together so we can refill a generator. Or the lounge is looking a little bit, you know, kind of pillows and blankets and stuff thrown everywhere, let me do a loop sweep, let me rearrange it a little bit and tidy it up a bit, or, you know, dishwashing station, the water's kind of dirty, let me go ahead and see about getting a couple people to help me with filling it up and changing the water out, and, oh, the dishes are clean, let's go ahead and put them back in the kitchen, you know, clean up the kitchen, what's the next meal schedule planned, and, oh, the mess hall's got stuff scattered all over the tables, and, you know, random people have come in, and, hey, look, here's a glow stick. <laughs> oh wow that's a really nice flashlight or hey does anybody know who's um whatever this is i, and I don't even know what to describe it this costume or oh stuffed animal that looks like a naked pirate octopus with a zucchini <laughs> just random stuff and so i get stuck at camp but that's also one of my favorite things to do is when it gets going and it's all set up because I'm I'm stressing out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I don't get much sleep at Flipside. <laughs> I will go and go and go and I do graveyard shifts. So I usually do graveyard shift for Rangers. Or this past year I went ahead and did Guardians to try that out. And so I'm up all day getting camp set up with everybody else that's coming in. I don't just set up the kitchen in that one shade structure in our tent. I'm helping everybody else out, guiding them, and telling them, okay, well, here's the layout. This is what we'd like it to look like. And we try and do it in advance, and sometimes we can, and sometimes we can't. But I just go, 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 and I don't stop. And so 
when I do have a moment to stop, I'm usually still at camp. And I'll go off and sit in the mess hall, or I'll sit in the lounge, or I'll just sit off in the corner where nobody can see me, and I just want to watch the kitchen run. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite things to do is because there's all these people, and it all started with me in this two-burner stove making french fries all night long <laughs> and feeding people, and everybody's going, man, this is awesome, this is great. And then I'm like, yeah. Somebody comes and is like, hey, dude, I got like 20 pounds of meat. Here, have it. I'm like, cool, cook it. You mean you're not going to cook it? No, no, dude. This is a communal kitchen. That means you cook it. <laughs> I brought the stuff for you to cook it. You cook it. Oh, will you cook it? No, man. It's all you. <laughs> Go for it. You want to share it out? Share it out. And occasionally, I'll, I'll cook something up. I've got that you know, wild hair that says, yeah, bring it forth. I'm, I'm just going to cook everything. It's kind of how the kitchen was first started with that making french fries and somebody's like hey dude i got an eggplant i'm like bring it let's fry it <laughs> i got some carrots all right throw them in there we'll fry up everything it doesn't matter so yeah it's it's interesting um i would definitely recommend going out and definitely checking a lot of things out and it's, this last year i made the point to go out and i'm trying to make the point you know with what i'm trying to do for next year to you know explore the camp and, and hear hear things out that you know even going to you know the Badlands, when I'm just seeing because there there are little orphan camps that are going out there. Oh yeah, and checking that out and walking around and try and take as much as in as I can because I'm not going to see everything, but I I want to try. Most you know? definitely. Um, so I I gave the mission task to several of the members within Zion and even some of the friends and burner family that's out there in the community. That said, you know what? If you find me at Zion, I want you to say, hey, dude, come on. Leave whatever you're doing. Pass it off to somebody else. You're coming with me. And this goes out to anybody else that kind of hears this interview, this recording, this get-to-know, meet-and-greet type thing. If you find me, make it a point to come over, grab me out of the kitchen, say, come on, we're going to take a 20-minute walk, or we're going to take a 30-minute walk. We're going to go down over here. I need you to come and see something doesn't have to be anything in mind. Don't even tell me what it is. Just say, you got to come and see this. Take me out of the kitchen. <laughs> I'll wind up back at the kitchen, whatever. And, and one of those other tasks is I still haven't written an art card. Haven't written one? 11 years, and I still haven't written an art card. Like, full-on written the art card at flip side. Uh, there's probably two times that I can remember writing an art card that wasn't at flip side. There's usually at Orphaner. And that was... Um, I think it was one of Visker's art cars, and I was on top. And then the other one was just like a golf cart that had a propane fire cannon mm -hmm. on the top of it. And that was Taxi Kaz. Mm -hmm. I think it was his vehicle as well, but it was just kind of getting a ride down to the lower field because I didn't feel like walking. But yeah, I wanted to uh, ride one of those, uh, what was it, the uh, the Couch of Doom? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ride that and didn't get to. I would have thought that was awesome. I always see the, the floating, not the floating, it's the art car that looks like a pool that drives around. Okay, yeah. I've always wanted to ride that one, and every time it passes by, I'm like, ooh, I should go jump on it. And I was like, oh, I'll get it when it comes around, and the next thing I know, flip side over. <laughs> so, yeah, grab me, take me out of Zion, and it doesn't have to be all night long. It be something short. Just, I need to go on a walk. Because yeah. it'll get to Friday or Saturday. I don't even remember what day it is, because I lose track of my time on the days. Yeah, you'll you'll usually catch me in the afternoon. Sleep deprived, cranky, grumpy, telling really bad jokes that I forget the punchlines down in the creek, and 
just stopping everybody, just standing in the creek going, hey, everyone, you know what? I just want you to know I love you. And that's also what this is about. It's, it's sharing the love and respect for everybody else to say, you know what? You all are Burner family. It doesn't matter if you're from a different city, a different state, a different country, a different cohort. We're all family. We're the human species. So with uh, Flipside getting bigger, I mean, what do, you, what do you think about Flipside growing? Flipside growing. Um, keep it controlled, in which we have been keeping it controlled. It hasn't just exponentially blown up uh, like some other events. I say uh, other events because, yeah, I've been there at Forefunner and, yeah, it got pretty bad. And <laughs> I was one that, when we'd run the the kitchen out of the pavilion, come about 2 o'clock at night, I'm putting on some really grotesque, obscene stuff on the projector. And it was usually Friday and Saturday night that I would put something really horrible on there. And other people were like, that is really bad you really should be playing that. I'm like, it's not for you. It's for all the little newbies that are coming in that are crashing the party. Mm-hmm. That that was the people that, oh, there's this rave going on, and there's this party, and they'd come out there, and they just come out for the party, trash the place, don't respect anything, and they want to have a good time. Well, you know what? I'm, I was messing up my time. <laughs> <laughs> Something about some weird, obscene, grotesque thing. I'm not even going to describe exactly what it was, but... Uh, yeah, I, I remember distinctly catching a couple of them like, oh, this is great and everything. And then they just kind of pan their head and see this plant on their projector. And they're stopped dead in their tracks. Their jaws drop and they're going, uh, I don't, I don't know what that is. But I was having a good time up until that point. <laughs> and of course, the real burner community members and everything else are just sitting there laughing away and snickering because they're like, dude, this is awesome. This is this is the most horrible thing. It's like a train wreck. I can't turn away because I don't want to watch it, but I can't help but look at it. And the other people are like, oh, you just messed up my trip. I'm like, you're welcome. Do you have a, a butt cam? What's that? <laughs> Do you have a cup? Uh, I got a water bottle. It's nothing wrong with a water bottle, but... Yeah, we've always been a, a water station, helping out people, and yeah, we take care of those. I get asked about it, and it's one of those, because it seems to my friends, they don't go, why do you do this? And I try and explain to them, it's, it's, it's intangible to me, why do I devote so much time and energy and effort to going to burn events? You got an idea about that? Uh, 42. 42? 42. Okay. 42. Yeah, they answered everything. 42. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a good one. Because my dad used to do that to me as well. He'd he'd look at me. He's like, why are you spending all this money to go out there to feed people? And they don't do anything for you. I'm like, Dad, you don't understand. And he's like, well, you know, I see you just... You, you. Sometimes you're going into debt. You're, you're spending all your money, and you have nothing left over. And you go out there, and you camp, and you come back, and then you're exhausted. You're tired. You're struggled. I'm like, yeah, but I'm living. Those five days out there is like living the entire rest of the year condensed into that small amount of time of the difference between 
being in a lucid dream where it feels so real in a small amount of time of 20 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, and then you're awake for 24 hours, but you still feel like you're groggy and asleep the rest of the day. But then you go to sleep and you have that such a vivid dream that's so intense with emotions and and just awe-inspiring, life-changing, epiphany-type event. That's kind of what going out there is like. For me, it's it's throwing down the money. And an old man that lived down the street told me, money's not worth anything unless you spend it. It's, it's a good saying. You got to invest in your life. You got to invest in that. And so for me, it's, yeah, it's costing me money to go out there. But some of that cost is cut down because it's food. You know, I won't see that back. And some of it is the investment within the kitchen. Shade structures for years on end. I've been using uh, one of the shade structures specifically for the kitchen since post-apocalyptic pop. In fact, that was the first year that I got it, and it's still going great. I think about the only thing I had is one of the sides for the legs on the tarp thing like came unstitched, which I could probably stitch you back on there. But I'll tell you another thing is there are so many pots and pans and knives and different things that wind up getting left in the kitchen, and yeah, it stays in the kitchen stuff and you come out to another event and if you left something in the kitchen it's like oh hey that was mine oh, i left that in the kitchen i'm like here take it back no no dude it's for the kitchen now <laughs> cool. we got a bag of silverware and knives and forks and utensils and everything else that that radical self-reliance thing of having your own camp cup camp plate camp utensils and everything else there's still a lot of people that come out to the kitchen like Hey, uh, we heard you got some food. I'm like, yeah, sure. You got your plate? Uh, I left it back at camp. I'm like, go get it quick. <laughs> uh, my camp's on the other side. I'm like, dude, you're going to miss out. Tell you what, if you come and eat, if you come to the kitchen next time, bring it with you. I got you covered. After you eat, if you wouldn't mind doing a couple dishes. Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. And it's funny because some of those people, at the same time, They'll come back in droves, and they're like, hey, dude, you got any dishes to wash? We want to wash your dishes. That <laughs> food was awesome. It was like, yeah, sure, there's there's four of them that are over there that need to be washed. Or well, we got a pile of them. We just finished cooking. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got this, and I'll get like three or four more people to do it. Next thing I know, we got dishes are done. <laughs> you got any plans for next year? Any ideas what you want to do? There are some interesting plans for next year. Um, not too sure that I can reveal all of them. I know that one of our great members has wanted and expressed. He, he tried it out this year. He actually made a new house in the front part of Zion. And he made quite a lot of Japanese cuisine. And it was a great, great turnout on that. And so he also wants to do a tea house. So we're looking at converting part of the mess hall into a tea house. And it kind of goes along with the whole lounge setting as well. It's a place to chill, relax, and, you know, commune. Get to talk to people. And it was a big hit being able to cook that food and have pretty much a good cycle of individuals that were coming by, interested, didn't know quite what was going on. Oh, hey, look, food. Hey, cool. Yeah, I'd like to try some. And you got people talking and they're sitting down and, yeah, so tea. Tea house. Uh, the new addition this past cliffside was an oven for the kitchen, and that was a big surprise for my wife. She really liked that. Uh, it's nothing like great experience. I'm fixing to go on shift at 
two o'clock in the morning, and hey, look, there's fresh baked cookies right out of the oven. Oh, that was delicious. Thank you, honey. So yeah, there's uh, the kitchen's open all the time. If it looks like it's closed, if somebody's awake, just say, hey, uh, you got anything going on or anything else? Just talk to somebody because kitchen's always open. So you did a, um, I know you did a theme camp mixer at Flipside this last year. How'd you think that turned out? Elaborate on that one a little bit more, because I know I went to the Theme Camp Leeds mixer. That's what I'm talking about, the okay, Theme Camp Leeds okay. mixer. That that was was nice. It was it was good to be able to meet with some of the other Theme Camp Leeds. I do enjoy talking with them. We did happen to speak at Safety Side two years ago with some of the leads, and this past year with some of the leads as well, just kind of sharing ideas, pitching, oh, this is how we handle this, this is what we do, and... Zion, we have to do a lot of the spreadsheets, and we use Google Docs for that. Everybody that's within our group has access to it. It's one of the pinned posts, and try and keep it as updated as possible. Some people update, and they're like, oh, I had no idea. It's like, where's the link? <laughs> it's the one that's pinned on the Facebook group. We're all social media and everything else. But being able to actually see people in a social, physical gathering, as opposed to a virtual social gathering, was very relieving and very exciting to be able to talk with others again going back to communion because it's just getting together sharing those ideas and going this this is what it's about it's building it up giving back and then also being able to share that same experience with others that are just ecstatic about it any any suggestions for New camps, actually, whenever they're coming in, because I know several people are actually starting their own camps. and Communication, communication, communication. You could not communicate enough. Uh, meetings are great. Uh, we're not always the best at having full-on meetings because Zion is very dispersed and spread out. Um, was Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, and a couple other smaller towns that are spread out. Now we're uh, crossing state lines and... At a time before we were across state lines, Louisiana, and uh, we had a couple individuals the first year of it that came down from one of the up, up east coast states, somewhere, I don't even remember where it was, and uh, we just had some of our members move out to North Carolina. And so it's just those that have come in, they've brought whatever they've brought, and don't think of it as an overwhelming task of everybody has to pitch in this certain amount bring what you can everybody has a small extra items that they think are not important and those are the vital important parts if one person can't remember it all by all means start a list these are the things that would be great at can share them out oh well such and such can you know take over you know these four items we've got 200 items okay well this person can take over you know 20 items this person could do 50. This person, they don't have a lot that they can contribute, but once they get out there, they're physical force. They can get up there. They can share everything else out. Uh, my wife wants to go ahead and say a couple things. So she, she helps out a lot with the planning as well. I was just going to say that you can bring out nothing to camp except for what you're camping with, but help out with setting up and helping out with whatever your camp is and be an awesome contributing member. We love people who do that. Very much so. Uh, you still need your bare essentials that that you need to survive out there because that's also part of being self-reliant. But at the same time, know that 
you don't have to have the major infrastructure. As long as you have your own items, by all means, that's what we're there for, a community. So how has going to burn events actually affected you in your you know, personal life outside of the burn community? I think outside the box to stop following everybody else. It's uh, got their head in the clouds. That's not really keeping their feet on the ground because those are the ones that are just out there and they're being sheep. Don't be a sheep. Be the shepherd. Be the one that's got a solid foundation but still has their head in the clouds. So dream big. Shoot for the stars. Keep going for it. And if you don't try, you're not really living. And talk with others because you'll find that you may have that great idea and you're always talking about that idea. Well, actually jump on that idea and start doing it. You'll find that there are a handful of other people that are willing to go above and beyond and help you out with that thought, that idea, that plan, that project, and you've got support. But if you don't say anything, if you don't start doing something about it, it will never happen. You're asking as far as the theme camp. What are some of your memories that you can recall for Zion? For Zion, honestly, the, the problem that I've had with going to Flipside, it's not a problem, it's, it's what I've done is because I was part of the steaming pot, a lot of members come to us. So I stayed in camp a lot. So I wouldn't actually go out. I made that choice not to stay in camp this last year. Yeah. Just so I could... No, I need. I would usually do like a quick walk about. That was basically it. Honestly, I don't really. This last year is the first time I've actually gone out, and uh, I'm a very shy individual already, so I don't really go into a lot of camps. This year is the first time I actually went to a lot of other camps. I just had, didn't get to make it around to Zion, honestly. Oh, that's fine. And it's it's going to be one of those destinations that no, no, you've already put it out. At some point, I'm going to walk by and go, where is Warlock in here? Where is he at? All right, he's over there. Come with me. That's what's going to happen next year. <laughs> good. Good, good. I'll be looking forward to that. So let's switch it around. What have you heard about Zion? What have I heard about Zion? Uh, I've always I, – I, I, I respect a lot of the, the bigger camps. And I know Zion was always bigger. And the fact that you get it on – that you put it on and the fact that it's – it's one, it's a camp that I point out to, to some of my friends going, well, look at these people over here. They've made a kitchen. What does that mean? It means do you need something to cook with? You can cook something there. They provide a service, not just, you know, I, I tried to steer it away from, oh, what do I do? We provide coffee. No, what do other people provide? Yeah, there's dance camps out there, but there's essential functions out there too. There's there's a very cool kitchen camp right over there, and they cook food and they have the ability for you to cook food, and that's super cool. It's it's a it's a very essential function that what other burn, burns that I've ever been to. Now they'll they'll have camps that will just they'll cook you food. Now this is a place where oh do you need to use a burner in a pan? Well now you have one. You can come over here and do that. And I've, as as a steaming pot member, we've never needed that because we had our own community meals. So I never was, I never had the need to go over your camp to eat because we'd have food. Right. But if I ever needed to, I know you're there. That's one of the other things that I point to. With you, know, you need to go dance, there's that camp. If you need food, you can go over here and deal with them there. You know, 
And that's very cool. For me, I used to put a lot of the articles in the Flipside Flame, and I kind of trailed off on that because I used to make some really elaborate ones that had a lot of information on hookah etiquette and using the kitchen and how to go about, okay, well, you, you've got an idea to go ahead and make this awesome thing, but you don't have enough space in your car to bring out a full-on stove, even if it's one of the just camp stoves. All right, well, I got the camp stove, but then I got to have a pot, and then I got to have something to wash it in, and then I have to have propane, and then, oh, I have to have a cooler to bring all of that all out, and what I'm going to prepare, and then, oh, well, if I got to cut it up and everything else, and oh, I just want to pick it up on the way out there, and that's what you help with. No, it's a very, it's one of those things that you can gloss over when you say, I'm going camping, I'm going to make some food. What does that entail? Well, that means you need to have all those things. And honestly, I feel like if I were to go to a burn event to Flipside uh, by myself without that, you'd be seeing a lot of me because I would have to have some place. I don't really want to bring the camp stove. I don't want to have to bring the propane. I don't, don't want to have to bring the grill. I, you all have that, and that's awesome. That's exactly what is needed. So on that same note. Going back, uh, we got gifted four very large skillets from Tipple of the Steaming Pot. I'm very grateful for that. It's helped out tremendously. No. So I want to say personally, thank you. That That's all Shadow. She's the one. I, I got adopted by this camp. I'm very lucky to be in it. And uh, I don't want to brag that I'm a part of it, but I love the fact that I am a part of it, you know? Oh, yeah. And Steaming Pot's awesome. It's It's... One of those camps that, that I that I I put up there. I also put up you know Zion up there with them. I put up I put up a lot of camps along with it. That maybe not uh, essential, but because because we're there, because Zion's there, it feels like a proper burn. You know, <laughs> it's it's very humbling and, and very heartfelt. Right, and and it's one of those. I bet you, if you if you took Zion to say freeze a burn, which I think you should, you're going to be greeted with, you know, holy crap, Zion's out here. We made it. Trust me, it, it happens. It happens whenever Steam Pot will go to another burn event. It's like, oh wow, we're here. We're making it as a burn, you know, and that, that's super cool. And I honestly think that Zion's one of those camps as well. There's a lot of folks out there. If they if they made the pilgrimage to another burn, it's like, oh, we got you guys awesome yeah that's that's i know that exact feeling because it's happened several times with some of the smaller events some of the some of the decompressions and mm -hmm. and even some of the uh not quite sanctioned burn type events but just a private event where we've been asked hey can you make it out it's like uh, uh we're not going to be able to make that one and sometimes we can make it we try and bring out as much as we can is going to be a smaller version of the kitchen, but sure yeah. enough, we try and pack as much as we can that way we can, because honestly, I don't like camping where I'm eating sandwiches <laughs> and cold food. I want a steak. Right. I want salmon for breakfast. I want something that's delicious, and it's like, oh my god, this is just like a delicate, just extravagant meal that I can make at home. I was like, guess what? We're having it at camp. Done deal. Sounded with the last one. So, what advice do you give your new burners that you bring in? New burners. Uh, let's see. We need to put together a checklist of different things to have. 
I would say off the top of my head, get your hydration pack. Uh, there's a couple people that have some of the smaller hydration packs. Get you not a great big one, but one that's medium size. It's really great to be able to have a backpack that you can just throw on your back. You have enough room to where if you get a gift, you can stash it in your bag. If you got a place for a camp cup. I'm still using the same camp cup that I used at my very first burn. It's a metal one that has a metal handle that I put a leather strap on, and it hangs from my carabiner. It's on my hydration pack. I could tell you there's probably 13 different flashlights in my hydration pack, <laughs> just from random ones that I've picked up, that I've found, battery-operated ones. Oh, hey, look, there's one on the table. Oh, there's one out in the middle of the field that I had happened to find. There's a pin flashlight that I don't remember how I found it, but it was in the middle of the field in the grass. Hey, that's moot. No, it works. Hey, cool, there's another flashlight. I probably have about seven lighters in there. I know there's a first aid kit in there. For those of y'all that do happen to do a lot of walking and you find that your legs are chafing, pick you up a container of Aquaphor. You'll find that that stuff is awesome. I've been using the same one since about 2006. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if your legs are chafing, you go to bed, put some Aquaphor on your thighs, and you wake up in the morning and it's brand new. It's fresh. Got sunscreen in there. And, you know, you can always pick up condoms and earplugs from the billboards that Look for the giant vagina and the giant ear, and yeah, grab you a handful of those, six to eight, put them in your hydration pack. It's not just for you, because there's been plenty of times where I've been on a ranger shift, and oh, there's that random couple that just came up, and they're like, hey, uh, do you know where that, that, that little stand is where we could get some of these things? And I'm like, yeah, it's over there off of such and such road. They're like, oh, it's on the other side of Flipside and stuff over there. Why? Why do y'all ask? Oh, we really need it. Some don't worry, I got you covered. Here you go. <laughs> you need like four. You need six. Here, just take them. Have fun. <laughs> the other part of it is, what can you gift back? One of my first gifts on my first year that I went, I made a bunch of bracelets, and there are a few of them that still have those bracelets. They were just yarn bracelets that I put together, and I made about two hundred of them, and just handed them out. The hydration pack is a good way to keep it on there. Fun toys, blinky lights, different things. A poncho, if it starts raining, you don't want to get wet. Keep a poncho in there. A dry pair of socks. Hey, you never know when a dry pair of socks is awesome. So I'll give props to my hydration pack because it's not a camel pack. It's not one of those cheap ones from Walmart. It's a High Sierra hydration pack. They actually... I don't think you could find them at the store anymore. You could probably find them on eBay. I forget which model it is. But the inside of it, where the bladder sits, is actually insulated. The hose on it is insulated, and it has a dirt cap. So I really, really love it. And I actually found a secondary one that's the same model, but it doesn't have the same bladder. And that kind of saddens me because I really love that one. Volunteer. Get involved with something. I've done rangering. I love rangering. And I do a graveyard shift, so it's at night. It's not hot. <laughs> and I tend to do mine on Thursday night and Friday night. And it's wonderful doing that because you get to see the city being built. You get to go and wander out and meander in the different sections. And, yeah, that camp wasn't there before. And, oh, my God, look what they built this year. Man, it's awesome. And it's just it's it's wonderful. To be able to see the way that Pyroopolis grows from an empty pecan field that has a bunch of flags all over the place to a working, operational, small-scale city that has an infrastructure.
and it's all volunteer based. Mm-hmm. It's all volunteer run. And so you think, oh, well, I can't really do much. No, 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 no. It's your integral part of it that helps to make the city, the community, and our environment, our festival, run the way that it does. So reach out, branch out, ask, talk. Go to a meeting. You know, we're in Houston, so we don't get to make the meetings, but still, you can be involved. All right, so let's go ahead and turn gears a little bit. We'll make this a little bit of a double meet and greet. Sure. I want to go ahead and pass the mic off to my best friend, my confidant, my lovely wife, Elizabeth. She's also known as Lizard. She helps out greatly, and she's the support that's behind me. So I bring on Lizzie. Lizard. Hello. So standard questions. When did you start going to Flipside? My first Flipside was 2012, the Freaky Deaky Time Machine. I had a blast. (laughs) What made you start to go out? My husband. Your husband. Yeah. <laughs> My very first burn was Orc Runner 2011. And we had started dating that March before. And he had kept talking to me about burns and I didn't know anything about it. He was like, you just have to go. You have to experience it. Okay, I'll go to go to, go to Orc Runner. And at first I was like, well, there's all these naked people. What do I do? Then the next thing I know, I'm walking around barely nothing. <laughs> and it it was a lot of fun. And it opened up my eyes a lot. And I grew a lot personally from the community. And it made me a better person. You're with uh, Zion, as of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. And do you, do you look at the burn as a, like a transformative experience? Do you look at it as... You know, the actual burning of the effigy. Do you look, I mean, does it have any kind of relevance to you? Yes. It helps me to release a lot of negativity. Um, It helps me to release a lot of emotions. I know this past year I wrote a two or three page letter of releasing a lot of things that was holding me back that I thought was holding me back. I just remember crying and walking around the, the embers of the fire and just I had so much emotion that just poured out of me. Afterwards, I just felt so much better because of it. And when other people ask me about it, it's just like, you won't know until you experience it. And the first first time, my first flip side at the Freaky Deaky Time Machine, I remember sitting there waiting for, you know, for all the schematics to be finished and all the proper setup. And I remember just sitting there, I closed my eyes and I was just kind of releasing, talking to the effigy, kind of in a prayer sort of way. At that point, it wasn't lit up, but I closed my eyes and I, you know, I I give all my negativity to you. I give everything. I I remember going over a few things and I opened my eyes up and it it looked like it had literally had energy on it. That's how I saw it. And I just started my eyes were were tearing up because I just knew it was it was a it was a transformation for me. So what do you like seeing at Flipside? I mean, do you get to go out and experience, or do you are you really more or less stuck at Zion? I'm like my husband, stuck at Zion. <laughs> I walk around every once in a while. I'll go on a on a, on a rampage with my husband. We try to do it at least once. Once at Flipside, we'll designate a night where okay, this is the night that we're going to do this. Let's not volunteer for anything. Let's, you know, make sure that every the kitchen's covered this night. And we'll, I'll try to get my husband away because we're like, he's always at at the kitchen and we're thinking he's always <laughs> running 
running, running, running. So that's something real nice is to walk around and see the different camps and go visit other camps. And um, Do you volunteer? Oh, yeah. What do you do? Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly guardians is what I do at Flipside. How do you feel about, you know, working as guardian shift? I mean, I does love it, it. Love it? Yeah. This past year, I was able to, Gizmo took me under her wing and uh, helped me to do a digital shift, which is a lead shift. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, it was real fun. And I was nervous. I didn't think that I knew what I was going to do, but it turned out real well. It real easy, and it was interesting to see all the side of the community of the operations that nobody else really gets to see. You get to see the Leos, the actuals, how they all interact, and it was nice. How would you have you brought anybody in from like uh, as a new burner? Have you brought in said you need to check this out? If you did, how'd that go about? In a way, I did. My best friend since I knew since second grade. She and I share share a mutual friend who also goes to Flipside, and they camped with us, was it last year? Yeah, last year at Bandersnatch um, Movie Trap. It was, I don't think she'll be coming back. I don't think it was, she, it was right for her, but she enjoyed it. And I was, uh, like I said, my other friend, she goes, she was already going. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's one of the stories I do here is the, the people who you meet at Flipside for the second time because you know them outside. Right. It's and like, it's, hey, you're here? And it's something that you don't expect, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that, oh, hey, I've seen you. <laughs> That's always fun. Tell me about your experiences at Flipside. I mean, what what do you actually, the art that you get to see? I enjoy the art cars, seeing all the different ones. I, I enjoy walking around. Seeing the art pieces, uh, meditation deathmatch that was really cool this mm-hmm. past year. Um, the effigies, how and seeing all the, I guess messages on them. It's very heartwarming to see. I like seeing the aerials, watching the aerials. That's really cool in a way that's very unique art form. As a recent addition, recent. I even consider myself a recent addition to the community. Uh, what would advice would you give to uh, the new burner? I would have to say, first of all, go in with an open mind. Appreciate the core values and learn and respect them. Help out where you can, whether it be volunteering or help out your fellow campmate. Try to explore, meet new people. I have so many friends now that I talk to on a regular basis just from Flipside. And I really don't contact my other friends that I used to have. Because Flipside has really changed me for the better. And I realized... A lot of the friends that I had in the past weren't true friends. Well, how has it changed you for the better from pre-flip side, pre-burn to who you are now? Pre-flip side, I was a very consumeristic person. I was very shallow. I really didn't have very much respect for myself. After flip side, I've taken on lead roles, not only within camp, but also at work, within our friends, um, and also a lot of self-respect afterwards. Mm-hmm. I have so much more respect for myself and for other people and learning how to do conflict resolution before I didn't know that. Like, I would just run away. Have you thought about, you know, signing up and doing some uh, ranger training? I've thought about it. Um with this event coming up, uh, Burnt Soup, I've taken over the lead for Pets and Sanctuary. 
So that will be fun. I've been, that's what I've been doing tonight on the computer is working on that. And I never saw my before. I would never ever if I told myself went back in the back and back in the the odd eleven years. There you go. Like four years, four or five years ago, I told myself that I would be in charge of medical and mental health at a not festival, but like at an event. I would literally laugh at myself and tell myself that I was crazy. Like you are freaking crazy. That is not you. <laughs> From what I what I read and what I've talked to people, there was a lot of consent issues this past year. Did you experience any of that? Did you did you hear any of that? Not firsthand, but there were consent issues with as far as personal boundaries mm-hmm. and having to deal with that as I guess you could say camp lead and having to deal with that um, with the members and participants. Um, as a camp lead, part of it that has been coming out is the education of your own camp, your, your responsibility of yourself and also responsibility of your campmates around you. Right. And, and that's what we told the, the, the people with the, the problems is, well, did you say anything to them? Well, yeah, but they did it again. Well, did you remove yourself from the situation? No. Okay, well, next time maybe try walking away. Or if that doesn't work, then come get us. It shouldn't have waited a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Because now there's all this animosity between this and there's negative energy. We don't want that. You know, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. It makes sense. <clears throat> it's one of those that has been passed down to a certain extent of uh, making sure that you you do need to educate. You shouldn't just assume everyone knows the rules. You should make sure that you know you're, you're actively looking at the situation which you're in, mm-hmm. and you create your own experience. You mm-hmm. can choose to live to stay in that type of environment, or you can either remove yourself or ask the other person to remove themselves. And, and if that doesn't work, then you know. Come and in. there's no shame actually, you know, asking for help. No, they're absolutely not. There's a lot of lot of resources out there, you know, with sanctuary and whatnot. If you, if you know, like rangers walking around, definitely, they're out there for a reason. Right, and there's been numerous times where, as camp leads, we've had to call in sanctuary. We've had to call in rangers. We've had to call in pets. There's nothing wrong with that. I've been to pets and sanctuary myself personally the past two two years in a row just i mean just because i knew that i actually had to pull myself off the guardianship because of it because i i couldn't i didn't feel comfortable going on on a shift to protect the city but i was compromised myself you know so i actually have a question for both of you uh it's more directed at warlock because i just thought about it wristbands what do you think about them i think they're great I'm on the same page as well. It definitely does help both seeing it from a guardian side as well as a ranger side. Uh, I've been part of the event where a wristband has helped out greatly and been involved in an incident where we did actually have underaged, non-ticketed participants that had came out to the event, and those wristbands helped to identify them. And it was a situation that was interesting. But they definitely do help. And in fact, I do know that at Burnt Soup, we will have two different types of wristbands. Uh, ones that signify those that are of age and those that are under age. So it will definitely help out with separating and knowing the difference of being able to consume alcohol and share 
different libations. Well, the reason why I ask is the it has been brought to my attention uh, for a flip side about veteran burners that they hate the wristbands. And honestly, for what I think, I've only known wristbands, and I, so have yes. you. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't about uh, an age gating thing. Uh, more or less, they it was because the way the property is uh, where it's at. Of course, that flip side, you you have that issue of there are what three county roads that lead into the event. There is a public waterway that goes through the event that is state property that you know that is on that you cannot regulate. They were talking about possibly whenever at some point when Flipside does move to pro- another property that is like a wreck plant or a flat creek in in the terms of one way in one way out there's no way to get in through uh, public access that they'll go away from wristbands and i honestly think that it's a it'd be a shame because the wristbands that we have are not paper they're not the plastic ones they're very well made they have lovely art on them Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering your opinion on it because I would hate to see it go. I, I as as bad as it seems, and I know this is not everyone. I lose my ticket after a certain point. I lose my sticker after if I don't take care of it. But the wristband is one that I have. I keep it, and I would hate to lose that piece of art. I just want to know what what your thought of is. Seeing how you know warlock, you are a veteran that you've gone to flip sides where sans uh, wristbands. Well, I kind of, I see it no matter where you go, I think that trespassers are always going to find a way in. I mean, even at Red Plant, we've had issues with people trespassing at Orfriner or Burnt Soup, well, not Burnt Soup last year, but Orfriner we did. So they're greatly needed. To me, on my part, the wristbands aren't a hindrance. They do have a greater benefit than they do aside from an annoyance of oh well it's on my wrist oh it gets in the way um there's ways to handle it and different people have done different things you cut off the excess link that's on there um, shift it up some people will happen to wear jewelry and so it's not that big of a deal for them it's personal preference to me they're enjoyable i like them and it's an extra souvenir i get to keep in fact i still have all of mine there you go that's that's what i thought I, I think it's a very cool souvenir. As he goes and gets them. <laughs> <laughs> and see, yeah, see, we, I have friends of mine who actually have, they have a filing cabinet full of every event that they've gone to, all, all flip sides, every sticker. It was it was actually just a shock to me whenever they were talking about wristbands and uh, how they would love to get rid of them. And I had to... I had to say no. I don't want to get rid of them. I think no. they're they're very cool. They're not some flimsy piece of paper, right. or they're not some plastic thing that sucks. Right. They are they're high quality wristbands. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that that's that was their issue with about the wristbands, which I found very interesting. The um the other one that they had, which is an interesting one, is um what do you classify a theme camp as? Do you classify it as something? My idea of a theme camp is a group of people who come together that have something to give back to the community for the participants to go to and know that something specific is there, such as Temple of the Steaming Pot, Temple of the Slot, Glam Camp, Wonder Lounge, Zion. You know, each camp has something specific that they offer back to the community as a gift. And that, to me, that was what a theme camp is. All right. Um, 
So I'm along the same lines. I'd have to say that a theme camp, kind of like just like when we got started and I was mentioning that we got denied our first year. Um, ours was having a communal kitchen, a place where people can come out and cook. It's giving back to the community something, some form of gift, be it you know some of the smaller camps. One that was always interesting we got to visit was Stamp Camp. Nobody was there. It was in the middle of the night. But there's a table set up, there's lights, and there's a bunch of stamps and ink pads. And it's like, cool, awesome. It's kind of self-explanatory. Some of them need a little bit more. Um, art installations, not quite theme camp, but still you can have an art installation in your theme camp. And that is what your theme camp is about, is the art that you're giving back. Uh, fractal machines and interactive designs, something set up, the lighthouse, your dance camps, your bars, adult-friendly camps, some of those other camps that are just kind of, hey, we're having this event, this is what we're about, and this is what we provide, this is what we like to give back. So a group of people that are just kind of coming together and they want that address, what are you going to do with that address? What's going to give you that pivotal point of, all right, Reserved camping, okay. But what are you doing? So, fine line, gray line, but certainly something to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I did. I do have to give a shout out to Adam. Uh, he contacted me. They, this is actually will be on iTunes. So oh, nice. And it's I finally got the RSS feed working, and up to I. I don't even have uh, an iPhone, but I can get it on my Android on the podcasting thing. You just got to look for it. I'll post that whenever, whenever it does start coming up again. Right now it's Burning Man. So it's, yeah, what is an interesting thing? Go ahead. I think it was last year. A couple of guys came by Zion with a TV that measures, that goes off of um, radio frequencies and you stick your hand in it and it makes a high pitched noise. You can do all these different things. You can move your fingers. You could uh, move your hand around it. It will make all this different noise. And it was decorated in, in such a beautiful way, too. And they were just walking around with it. And it was just like, cool. That's so awesome. And then this year, we see it as an actual art in- installation. And that was cool. I think it was over by French Camp. The art inst- all the art installations is what gets me. And, of course, Fluffenstein. Fluffenstein is pretty cool. If nobody knows who that is. You should know. You should research it. Find it on Facebook. He's on Facebook. He's a giant, seven-foot-tall little. What, what? How do you describe him, babe? An amorphous oh, yes. blob of stuffed animals in a humanoid form. I believe I've seen that. Yeah, he he walks around flip side and right outside. Uh, burnt. Yeah, because it's hot. You know, with the with the burn event, it operates on a gifting uh, economy. What are your favorite gifts that you've received? My very first gift was a at my first burn at Orfrunner, um, was a orange peel shaped into the shape of a hat. And I still have it to this day. Um, and I'll never forget that. I never at first I was just like, What is this? But then I thought about it and I was like, you know, this person they worked hard on this. It means a lot to them and I'll cherish that forever. My favorite gift I would have to say probably the community itself, if that makes any sense. The way everybody's there for one another. 
this past year, we were gifted um, a piece of art that is in our restroom of uh, the Mercury Unk. And also, it, we have a frying pan in our kitchen with feathers on it that's actually a dream catcher that has our camp logo on it as well. Yeah, starting off, so it would be the community for me, what everybody happens to bring, the involvement that everybody happens to give back into Flipside, our burn event, how it's able to be sanctioned and, I don't want to say governed because it's got a negative connotivity of it, but the way that it's collaborated is a much better word and built up to be what it is that it is today and what it continues to evolve into based off of those ideas. Physical gifts have been everything from keychains, buttons, necklaces, uh, bracelets, jewelry, paintings, artwork. Um, handmade, crafted items have always been my favorite ones. The kitchen has had uh, candles donated, kitchen equipment, uh, wood cutting blocks, it's been handmade, the Dreamcatcher with the Zion logo on it, the painting with the Zion logo on it as well, um, different types of, of our members that happen to contribute in, to the artwork that make the lounge what it is. Um, those members that are part of the kitchen, they bring these ideas to me and they're like, well, I'd like to do this within the lounge and I just wanted to go ahead and pass by you and I was like, by all means, go for it. I do not restrict the creative process. If you've got an idea, by all means, do it. One of the uh, major gifts that's been given to the kitchen as well was our sign. If you've ever passed by our camp, you see that our big wooden sign that has Zion Communal Kitchen and Hookah Lounge carved into it, and it's backlit. That was made by one of our members, all by hand, and it was wonderful. It was made by Guy, that guy from Zion. Yeah, he made the sign. <laughs> You learn something new every day. But thank you very much for uh, for the mac and cheese. I know I didn't eat a lot of it, man, but it was good, though. I appreciate it. But, uh, Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, guys. And so on, if the series of seas will always stay close to sea and never trend away, that point is in the Mandelbrot set. Mandelbrot set, you're a raw shock test on fire, a table pterodactyl. You're a heart-shaped box of springs and wire in one badass fucking fractal And you're just in time to save the